Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 398 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How we doing tonight, Joe? Better than I was 45 minutes ago. Mm, I know why, but I can't say. Mm-hmm. 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 But at least you're feeling better, you know? I'm... Yes. Uh, it's good to yell and be angry. Um, I... But it's good to be... So that I'm happy and positive for the main show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good, though, because I worry about you and your mental state. I'm worried about my mental state as well. Mm-hmm. So, anything interesting, or...? No, you know, we got, uh, comic book stuff to talk about. It's a, it's been a, uh, busier week than I would have expected at first. Yes. And, uh, I'm going to tell you what we we got on the show today. Um, we're going to talk about DC, but let me ask you two questions first, Joe. What's, what do you call a dog's foot? A paw. That's right. And what do you throw at newlyweds when they come out of the church? Well, you're not supposed to anymore because it's apparently bad uh, for the birds, but rice. That's right. We're going to talk about their paw rices that and stuff like that. Also, um, when is it too soon to reboot or is it a reboot? What's a reboot? I don't even know anymore. And also rumors about Marvel variant covers. Also, uh, con news, free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was Southern Bastards number 20, Batman White Knight number one, and Donny Cates' new book, Venom number one. Well, it wasn't, what we're look- it wasn't White Knight number one, it was White Knight number eight. But that's- Num- number eight. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the notes here and it, mm-hmm. and it threw me off. I should proofread this stuff. <laughs> no second takes. No second takes. I'm like, I'm like, uh, Calculon and Futurama. <laughs> Just splice some uh, B-roll of me looking, you know, confused in there. Um, also, what we're looking forward to this week, uh, we have a stacked art attack this week. And at the end, we're going to have a spoiler-filled talk of Krypton and The Flash. Yes. So let's get right into it, Todd. Yes. So there, we had discussed uh, last week... I think that DC was doing away with the digital codes in their 399 books. Right. And there was no announcement. It was just they were going away. And they were noticing that the books that typically were 399 in print, that were 299 digitally, are now 399 digitally as well. Why? Well, it appears as though. Uh, very soon, I think, um, with the next set of solicitations in July, all of the DC books are going to three ninety nine, mm-hmm. including all of the double shipping books, which is crazy. Well, it's not that it's crazy; it's kind of what the market is bearing out. Marvel, I don't think, has any 299 books. No, they don't. And if Marvel is selling books at 299, and now, whenever they do a new number one, 
they do the new number one at four ninety nine with a couple extra pages and stuff in there. Excuse me. Um, I get I, I'm not happy about it, but it makes sense for DC to be like, all right, well, you know, that's an extra dollar twice a month for each of these books, whatever they're buying, you know. I agree, but apparently, what I am under the understanding is that these two ninety nine books are going to three ninety nine, but keeping the twenty page story count. Yes, which I think the three ninety nine books were a little longer. So they are. You're double shipping. You're not. You're you're upping it a dollar, and you're not giving me any extra pages. I don't care about the digital, you know, code, but people do. So it. it there's a lot going on there. You know what I mean? Like when you're just maneuvering it up a buck to me and I'm not Mr. Uh, like, you know, like, Oh, uh, comics have gotten out of control on their prices. But when it comes to the, the 20 page count of a, of a comic, it's getting that. I feel as I'm reading it, it's over very quickly. And as you up that buck, I don't know. This is like the very like careful area where I don't know how much more you can do is what I'm saying. If DC does their new number ones at four ninety nine, mm-hmm. and increases the page count, then we have a problem. But increases the page count, right? Because then they're just completely mirroring what Marvel does. Because I think Marvel's been at twenty pages on three ninety nine books for a while, right? But do they have the digital code still? They do still have the digital code. That's the flip on it. But again, right. to you, to many people, you included the digital code doesn't matter. Right. Uh, but I'm just saying I'm good at 20 pages at 399. But what I mean is at the cutoff point is you can't start cutting any more pages at 399. Mm-hmm. Like I like 20. Like it's funny because every once in a while, like when we did like the Todd and Joe of issues last year and you're reading old comics. And you're like, man, this is a book. <laughs> you know? You're right. like, woo. You're like, no, we're not even talking about like, you know, 36 page spectaculars. We're talking about like, you know, just regular everyday monthly books. And you're like, this should be over by now. And you're right. like, no, it's, it's not. It, it would be like, a book would be like 22 to 28 pages. And there was no rhyme or reason as to when it would be or wouldn't be. It was just like, all right, this story needs 22 pages. This one needs 26 pages. We'll split the difference somewhere. Right. So that's all I'm saying. I'm just worried. I don't want it at any less at this up, upper price. I, I could live with it because, like you said, Marvel. But then Marvel was Marvel. I know they were double shipping occasionally, but, like, DC is going to be shipping books twice, certain titles twice a month at three ninety nine. Right. They are still doing one, two, three, four, five... Six, seven, eight, nine, ten books at twice a month. Now, Marvel does it, but they kind of do it sporadically. Like, a lot of their books, uh, I know Amazing Spider-Man and Avengers, just off the top of my head, I'm sure there's some X titles that do it, where it's 18 issues a year. Right, so it's not necessarily twice a month. Right, so it's twice a month like every other month, kind of, because I know there's there's two issues of the new Avengers, the Jason Aaron Avengers, this month. But next month, there's only one issue. That's what I kind of meant. I thought it was yeah. that way. It was two, one, two, one, two, one. But now at DC, at three ninety nine, you're going to have two, 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 like, a certain books. And there's certain books like Batman with Tom King 
that are going to sell, but I wonder how this is going to affect sales on like, you know, lesser books for an extra dollar. Uh, you know what I mean? That whole thing doesn't matter to me. I'm buying my books if I enjoy them right. regardless. So, And I guess the one little bit uh, to mention is the New Age of Heroes books. Um, the stuff that kind of spun out of metal, allegedly. Uh, Brimstone Damage, Immortal Men, Challengers, si- Sideways Silencers. Terrifics. Uh, terrifics and Unexpected are still staying at two ninety nine for now. Right. And I say for now because... Who knows? Who knows what tomorrow will bring in the fantabulous world of how much comic books cost. That's right. So, speaking of how much comic book costs and variant covers and all sorts of jazz like that, there's speculation, rumor and innuendo, if you will, and we do a deal in a rumor and innuendo, that Marvel, uh, over the summer, as DC is upping their price and keeping the page count the same... Marvel may be getting rid of their convoluted variant cover ordering scheme. Whereas we've talked about it so many times in the past where to get a certain cover, you have to order so many of a previous book from two months ago and then match that so you're able to get one copy of whatever that variant cover is. Right, and a lot of sometimes it it makes sense to meet or exceed like the the same title. Like if you have Spider Man, you want this variant, you know, so you get this money. But sometimes it's like, oh well, you know, if you want this variant cover, you have to order as many Squirrel Girls as you did the Giant Summer crossover Secret Wars that month, and you're like, no. No, that doesn't make any sense. I remember when they did the legacy renumbering lenticular covers that didn't quite lenticulate the way they should have. Mm-hmm. A lot of those we went through the list. And, like, you know, there were certain ones where it was, you know, get this of Amazing Spider-Man and get that of Amazing Spider-Man and get this of the X-Men and get that of the X-Men. But I know it was, like, the Spirits of Vengeance book. As Todd mentioned, it was, like, you had to order so many copies of Silk. Or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. It was something completely unrelated. But a bunch of retailers were talking on Twitter over the weekend that they were getting their... You know, Marvel will do this sometimes where here's the July solicitations and here's to do your orders for July. But in August, we have a giant book coming out. So we're going to let you order those a little bit ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Because we know when Fantastic Four number one comes out in August, it's going to be a big book. So if you want to start gauging your interest now, now's the time. And I guess there were some retailers talking online, on Twitter, social media, etc., saying that here's Fantastic Four number one, here's like 20 different covers, have at whatever ones you want. Right, but that that I'm wondering if it's going to be that way, or it's going to be the tiered way that it happens sometimes. And even DC still does. It's like a one-in... 50, you know what I mean? Now, and that's that's why I'm, you know, I, I want to bring it up, of course, because I always like talking about that crazy Marvel um, cover ordering scheme that they do, but this could very well be just for Fantastic Four. Um, so that they can do, you know, because DC will do the things where it's like, here's two covers, every book has two covers, or most books have two covers, you could order as many of each cover as you want, like 50-50 variant, quote-unquote, is what it would be. Mm-hmm. where it's not like, well, to get the second cover, you have to jump through these hoops. They were saying that for all 20 of those covers, you could just order as many as you want. I want five of this one, six of that one, 20 of this one, 10 of that one. 
right. with no restrictions or no criteria to meet. And that's why they were speculating that that might be the way that Marvel is doing things going forward. They could be, or it could just be for Fantastic Four. I think it might just be for Fantastic Four because they're doing the advanced solicitation, because they have Fantastic Four back, because, because, because of the wonderful things that Reed could do. We shall see. Doesn't he do fantastic things instead of wonderful things? He does. They should be the, uh... Well, Reed is the wonderful one. It's the other ones that make him the Fantastic Four. Right, the fabulous four, the fa- like we said. <laughs> right, the fab four. <laughs> They're not, do they, they don't want to get sued. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Now, we talk about rumor and innuendo, what's, what's going to go on with the Marvel covers. There was more rumor and innuendo <laughs> over the weekend. Oh, what? No, I just laughed at this story, but go ahead. Okay. There was more discussion over the weekend that DC might be getting ready to do another crisis-type reboot. All sorts of rumors that they were getting rid of marriages again, uh, that they were going to be changing characters, relationships again. I know they're currently doing things with uh, Damien and Deathstroke, and we do need an update on how that's coming along, by the way. You want that now or later? We'll get that at the end of this segment here. Okay. Uh, But it got to be such a point uh, that Jim Lee actually tweeted out Quote, rumors of reboots are ridiculous. Stop with the misinformation. Thanks, and have a great weekend. Mm. Now, granted, he didn't say that he finally has control of his Twitter account back, so that could he could have been hacked. <laughs> that is true. Mm-hmm. Does he know how to post a video? Uh, I don't know. I know he okay. knows how to uh, draw the Joker on his iPad. Yeah, so he knows how to Twitch. The kids love the Twitches. Mm-hmm. So... Now, where does that tie into the conversation that we had on the show a couple weeks ago, where there was all these Bendis-adjacent type folks that were going to be coming in and doing books, like a Grant Morrison Green Lantern book, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick Aquaman book, uh, David Walker Flash book, Matt Fraction Jimmy Olsen book, where was that creator refresh thing that they were going to do, was that people getting those signals crossed with this? It could be. Uh, I think if they have, and if they had any ID idea for a new reboot or a start over or a fresh coat of paint or any of the other jokes we like to use on this show, um, they're crazy because you just came off, you know, New Fifty Two, and then you're into Rebirth, and you know, granted, you're you're two years in, but you're forty eight issues in on some of these books um, because they're double shipping, as we said, but. Just in a world where, like, people are giving, like, the bad PR to, like, Marvel when they were like, oh, they're going back to renumbering and doing this, but no reboots. And it would just be much because, as a matter of fact, I was reading comics this this weekend and I was reading certain issues. I'm just going to talk about The Flash real quick. And it's like, oh, well, here he up show, a Zoom shows up. And I'm like, well, now, longtime reader, I'm like, is it Zoom? Is it the the Hunter's Almond we knew from pre New Fifty Two? Is it, it was he a New Fifty Two? I don't I don't remember. It's like with all these reboots, it, it becomes harder and harder to be a longtime reader. And I don't know. I'd like some feedback from people who are new if they like like you know fresh starts. Because for me, it just gets more and more aggravating when I have to figure out what's continuity and what's not anymore. 
I get where you're coming from. And I think with the Flash, they could play a little bit more fast and loose with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's other books. You know, because obviously there's like all these different timelines, and I took Hunter Zolomon from this timeline, or I took, you know, Eobard Thawne from that timeline. Like, whether there's reboots or not, like the Flash can kind of play a little bit more loose with that sort of stuff. Right. But when you're talking about, like, the Batman stuff, or Green Lantern stuff, or whomever stuff it is. Which is funny you mention those two, because those two are the ones that pretty much stayed untouched through Rebirth and New 52. Like, right. from the old... Because, you know why? Jeff Johns was doing Green uh, Green Lantern, and Batman was selling at the time, so don't touch those. You right. Know? So, so I, but I think that's true. Superman's a big one. That got got all crumpled up through all of these. Right, because I think Superman got crumpled up because he should have been selling the numbers that your Green Lanterns and your Batmans should have been. Mm -hmm. So they would just keep trying everything. And they would be like, well, some of this worked and some of it didn't. Let's just kind of move forward with all the stuff that worked from the previous six or seven runs. Mm -hmm. And then when the ninth guy comes on... He's like, well, four of the things that you didn't like, I do like, so I'm going to include them back in. Ugh. Right, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think a, the mix-match mix, mix match of new continuity, old continuity, new 52, pre-52, zero-hour, hyper-time, whatever it is, I think works a little bit better for people like Flash or JSA types that are kind of more steeped in time travel sort of stuff, but also so more steeped in smaller characters. Because I can read, and again, I'm just going to, you know, take something out of, you know, whatever it is, like an elongated man story, right? Mm-hmm. Plastic man story. There's the Plastic Man Gail Simone book that's coming out next month, right? Right. Where does that fit into the greater Plastic Man continuity? Where does that fit into where his current place in the Terrifics is? Doesn't well, matter. Doesn't me, but doesn't matter. I'm sure it's a good story because Gail Simone's a good writer. I'm sure it will exist as its own little six issue thing, and I'm sure you know it'll never be picked up on again for better or for worse, just because it's 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 kind of its own thing because Plastic Man isn't the lead of the next Warner Brothers movie or cartoon or TV show or whatever it is. Unless it's Black Label or like Mr. Miracle. Like that, that's, that's the thing where we're at now is like certain books you can tell seem to be their own thing. And then I don't know. I, I get it. Uh, and as we always say, just give me a good story, but we'll see. I just like, I, I just the, the thought that they would even think that it's time, especially after the success of Rebirth. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the word of mouth, the good praise that you got. Now, of course, you came off a, you know, a big stinking pile of New 52, but I, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like it would just be, cra- it'd just be crazy. It would be crazy to go like, hey, everybody's like DC did it right. Well, you know what? We're changing it again. Like, oh, my God. Like, I don't even know. Like, what's the attention span of a young person these days? I, I don't know. Because we're not young, Joe, is what I'm saying. Six issues, I would I would assume. Oh, that many? Yes. Oh, I can't read all six issues. <laughs> but I, I think that's the best you could ask for, is to get someone to read six issues of something. Yeah. 
12 now. Uh, Tom King's trying to get us to read 12 issues. Mm-hmm. Vision, Mr. Miracle, you know, Omega Man. That's, that's the, the new, the new, the new six is number, is number 12. Right. So, uh, just one more follow up on a story from a few weeks ago. We had discussed delays and schedule changings with Doomsday Clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, to read the quote from Jeff Johns one more time, it is incredibly important to us to keep the quality of Doomsday Clock, but also to deliver on its bi-monthly schedule, and we intend to keep our word. Right. So, uh, Doomsday Clock, which had been re-solicited to be coming out at the end of August has now been re-re-solicited back to its original solicit date of July 18th. Hmm. Which still puts it a little bit ahead, or so it would seem, only because issue 5 is coming out a little bit late. Okay. Uh, issue 5 is still scheduled to be coming out at the end of this month. And I think it's been about two months, so it's going to be like oh, 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 it's going to be a week late because they could play fast and loose this month because this is a five Wednesday month. Yep, you got lucky. Right. So I, I'm glad it's back on schedule. I'm glad the quality of the series is not going to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to need a lot of time. I hope it's a short week because I'll need to reread the previous four issues to remind myself of what's going on. What I think happened, Joe, is they went back to the original ending, so it's back on schedule again. (laughs) They're like, you know what? We had that new ending, but that original ending was really good. Let's go back to that, and that way we can stay on schedule. (laughs) That's my guess, but I could be wrong. I've been known to be wrong, Joe. Right. You thought you were wrong once, but you were mistaken. Yes, something like that. Uh, so there's a bunch of conventions going on, and Todd, without hyperbole, mm-hmm. this could be the craziest convention week in the history of convention weeks. Yes. So, again, there's a bunch of conventions going on. Uh, there's one going on in Ontario, California, the Comic-Con Revolution. Uh, Chris Claremont, Marv Wolfman... Weiss Portacio is going to be there. Ooh. And considering to me, guest of honor Jason Aaron is going to be there. There you go. If you like your creators a little bit older, you can go to the Three Rivers Comic Con in Pittsburgh. Uh, you got Joe Jusco, Brett Breeding, Ron Friends, Pat Olive is going to be there. Oh, Pat Olive. Oh, my goodness. When I saw Pat Olive on the list, I'm like, oh, boy, if I lived closer to Pittsburgh, I'd go take out my entire run of Untold Tales of Spider-Man, and I'd have him go and, like, sign them all. Or I'd go and get Mm. a sketch of, like, that era Spider-Man. Like, I didn't read the 60s stuff as it happens, but Untold Tales was supposed to fit in to the original run of Amazing Spider-Man. So when I think of 60s Amazing Spider-Man, I don't think immediately of the uh the Ditko art I think of the Pat Olive art and apparently it does fit in very well all those untold tales you should ask our local like uh Spider-Man expert uh you know you know who it is uh you don't need to because in one of the last issues of the run or Mm -hmm. 
in like one of the annuals that they did, they did a chart, a two-page like spreadsheet chart of where the issues fit into the continuity of the original Amazing Spider-Man run. Oh, I agree, but I've heard like how the stories, it's like, oh, well, the Vulture did this, and the, and the story of the Vulture's like, you know what, I need to go away for a long time. And then it was like, oh, well, the Vulture <laughs> didn't come back for like 32 issues. Yep. And you're like, oh, my God, Kurt, you're music, you know what you're doing. Plus, you get a Wheat Cakes uh, recipe, and I end up having that, I ended up buying that in uh, Omnibus form yes. back when they were doing them. That the, Our shop had it for like... 20 bucks oh. when they were like on the deep sale from like Marvel when they were just giving stuff away. And I was like, yeah, I'll take one of those. I'm not even a Spider-Man guy, but those untold tales of Spider-Man were some of the best stuff I ever read. We actually, you know what? We don't, uh, we're just throwing it in here cause we're talking about it. Um, you know, we didn't do a mail bag segment. We haven't done it in a little while, but we were actually contacted by new listener of the show. Uh, longtime Marvel puzzle quest player, Tony foot. And uh, he was talking about, like, what would be good on Marvel Unlimited uh, for him to read, for his kid to read, uh, Spider-Man stuff and everything else. If Untold Tales of Spider-Man is on Marvel Unlimited, and I have no idea if it is or is not, there you go. That checks every single box. It's Spider-Man, <laughs> it's good for adults, it's good for kids, and it's just great storytelling. That's right. It gets the Todd nod, the rare Todd Ooh, nod. And Joe. Todd hates Spider-Man. I do. He's very spidery and manny too. Uh, now, if you want your creators a little bit newer, you can go to New Brunswick uh, in Canada for the East Coast Con or the East Coast Comic Expo, where Nick Bradshaw and Ed Brisson, amongst many other creators, are going to be. Now, this is where we run into the problem, Todd. Okay. Are we going to Detroit? Or are we going to Buffalo? This is like, we're living in an imaginary world where we're going to one of these two conventions, okay? Right, and you never leave the house, so I know this is imaginary, Okay. go ahead. So the Nickel City Comic Con in Buffalo. Right. On your comic book side of things, you've got Pete Tomasi, you've got James O'Barr, as discussed on the show last week, Frank Thierry. Hmm. On the celebrity side, Todd, are you sitting down? I am sitting down, okay. but do you want me to stand up? Maybe. You're, well, you're going to jump out of your chair. Okay, and then I'll fall back into my chair when you give me the second one. But Barbara Eden is going to be here. Okay. Corbin Burnson. Oh, L.A. Law. Reggie Jackson is going to be there. Oh, Mr. October. And it's it's May, so he's way off his schedule. Yes, he's early. He's he's the opposite of Doomsday Clock. In a rare, I think, first time ever comic book appearance, r comic book convention appearance, Richard Dreyfus is going to be there. Oh my God! They're going to need a bigger con. <laughs> <laughs> Former uh, World Wrestling Entertainment Intercontinental Champion and AIW meet and greet guest Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is going to be there. One question. Mm -hmm. Will he have his dragon? No, he will not. Well, I ain't going. I know if you buy him, if you ply him a couple light beers, he might uh, tell you some stories about the dragon. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, but also, Todd, I don't think it gets better, bigger than this when it comes to world wrestling entertainers. Mm -hmm. Because Jimmy Hart is going to be there, the mouth of the South. Okay. And if Jimmy Hart's going to be there, then brother. 
There's only one other dude who is going to be there, man. Okay. Get your Spectrox ready, because the Hulkster's <laughs> coming to Buffalo. Oh, boy, get your video cameras ready and record everything he says. Because <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> I want to see it. He's been floating apologies through TMZ for the better part of the last two to three weeks, each one less sincere than the last. Or more sincere. <laughs> You're just becoming to numb. You're just becoming numb to how sincere Hulk Hogan is, or Todd. Mm-hmm. So there's the guest list. There's just the tip of the iceberg of the Nickel City Con. All right. And over in Detroit at the Motor City Comic Book Convention, Frank Quitely is going to be there. Nice. Stephen Lieber is going to be there. And I won't even mention that he's going to be selling enamel pins there, but he is. Of bagels. No, of yeah, of the dog. Of uh, oh, beagles. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. And the happiest man in comics, Keith Giffen. Oh. Now on the wrestling side of things, Diamond Dallas Page is going to be there. Mm-hmm. And Todd, we had mentioned this many times. Well, we had mentioned on the show that there was a bounty in the past. Mm-hmm. When there were certain people that would show up at a comic book convention, and you were going to that convention, and you get the two first shot with these folks, right? Mm-hmm. And it was one that we were kind of floating out there before it became the hot thing uh, because of the current YouTube Red show. Mm-hmm. But if you are going to the Motor City <laughs> Comic Book Convention, and you get... That Mark photo with one of these two people. Now, if they're in the same booth, if they're in booths next to each other, and you get the picture with the two of them together, I think the world might explode. Okay. One, of course, is Sensei Lawrence, how he will be referred to by me as a member of the Cobra Kai Dojo. (laughs) William Zabka will be there. Mm Mm-hmm. But Donald Gibb is going to be there as well, Todd. Donald Gibb, who you would know from his roles in such films... As Bloodsport and Ogre in Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, see, I thought you were talking about the guy from the Bee Gees. No! If this, he is doesn't r- this is a different Gib brother. Oh, if he doesn't run into the con and yell nerds. <laughs> oh, he's going to be thinking it the whole time. <laughs> he's going to just be like, nerds! But when I was doing my notes for this, and I, I, I'm scrolling down to the list, right? And I see Donald Gibb. I'm like, I don't need to scroll down any further. This is, this is, you know, we're good. Donald mm-hmm. Gibb's going to be at this convention. And then the next line down is William Zabka. I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest convention ever. That's right. If you can get your Mark photo with the guy who played Frederick Aloysius Polowatsky, <laughs> that's, that's money, son. <laughs> Did you know that was his real name in the, in the Revenge of the Nerds yes, movies? Yes, at the, at the end of uh, Nerds 2 when they make him a nerd. Spoilers for Revenge <laughs> of the Nerds 2. So, oh, God. Be careful. That might be our movie next month. You don't, next week. You don't know. Oh, that's right. We'll be discussing that on uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark this week. It could be uh, Frederick Aloysius Polowatsky's big break right yes. there. So, oh. of these two cons, Todd, which one are we going to? I'm sorry. I'm going to see Richard Dreyfus. I am getting, I'm taking, when I go, I'm getting like a trash can with mud over it, like the, the mountain from the, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I'm getting him to sign that. Real good guy in that movie. Abandoned his family to go live with some aliens. <laughs> well, wouldn't you? No. 
I would. I'd abandon your family to go live with oh. aliens. <laughs> <laughs> but no, for me, it's the William Zabka Donald Gibb double mark photo that I'd be going there for. Uh, but I could talk to Hulk Hogan. <laughs> like, Mr. Hogan. Write write down uh, something there. Just write down Hulk Hogan. I'm going to write down Mr. Hogan. Write down Mr. Hulkster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so... All these conventions, if you have any interest to see any of the other guests, they'll be in the show notes, uh, which will be in the episode description, as well as over at soontobenamednetwork.com, soontobenamednetwork.tumblr.com, where you can find any of the shows in our little network umbrella, etc. of things, or anytime the folks on these shows appear on other shows. I might be appearing on another show sometime in the next week or two. Teased. Oh, really? Yes, yes. A show that I've been on before. I know you're excited, Todd. It's a wrestling-themed uh, show, because I know that's right up your... You you love when I talk about wrestling. Oh, let me hold back my excitement with both hands. Right, right. Uh, so that'll be... I think I'll be on that in two weeks. Uh, but any of the shows, of course, this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Profane Argument would be over there, Podvocacy, they were a little bit late this week. And uh, I guess we can kind of say, uh, well, Everlasting Minute, the minute-by-minute Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory podcast that Jason and David are doing. And I guess it's official that um, Radio Free Cybertron, uh, which is a Transformers podcast, that Jason is uh, a permanent co-host on. So that's now officially part of the network. It was just always on there whenever he would remind me, but he's permanent co-host, so it's permanently mentioned on the site. I didn't get a vote, but I would have voted for it to be on the, sh- the network, so it's okay. There you go. So, uh, like I said, soontobenamednetwork.com, soontobenamednetwork.tumblr.com, any and all of the updates uh, over there. And there's a t- just as much as the conventions, there's just as much as the digital sales uh, going on. And just brushing over things as quickly as I can, a lot of the things that were left over from a week or two or even three ago uh, that I forgot to mention. Dynamite is having a sale on Red Sonia stuff. Valiant is having a spotlight sale. That's one of those sales where you got to put the code in to make sure that you get whatever it is. Uh, Titan is having a sale on Warhammer stuff. I guess it's based on some sort of video game. And Boom is having a sale on their Boom Box, which is kind of like their not superhero-y, not licensed sort of stuff. Um, Transformers, IDW, and this is crazy to me. A lot of times IDW will have a sale that goes on for like the entirety of a month, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe most sales go on for like a week or two weeks at the most. Uh, IDW is having a sale called Shadow of Unicron that is going on until the end of July. Which That's is a longer crazy sale. to me. That's like the longest sale I've ever seen in my entire life. You know, it's a big sale because Unicron was a big Transformer. Oh, there you go. See? Uh, but some of the other notable sales to mention, Archie is having a sale on uh, Riverdale stuff. Uh, anything tangentially to the Riverdale uh, TV show. And a lot of what's included in there as well is Afterlife with Archie, uh, as well as the Mark Wade uh, penned Archie book as well. That's because of the season finales this week. Oh, it, okay, so that makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Deadpool and Cable stuff is on sale for no reason that I uh, care to discuss here. Yes, well, we'll discuss that in a little bit. Oh, boy. Uh, Vertigo's having a sale on Why the Last Man and the DMZ book. Uh, Marvel is also having a separate Young Guns sale, which is their weird thing that they do where they call their artists, for some reason, Young Guns. I bring that up only because part of that, the uh, entire Mighty Thor uh, Jane Foster stuff is part of that sale. And you can get, like, that entire Jane Foster run uh, for five, nine... Like, I, 18 bucks. Okay, I was going to say, I could say numbers, too. Yeah. Uh, but the biggie for me is DC is having something that they're calling a DC on TV sale. And that is including everything from Arrow to Flash to Supergirl to anyone who appeared in <laughs> any of the Legend. issues. It's like, oh, hey, here's the Rogue's Revenge miniseries, because... I don't know, the rogues show up on The Flash, right? Occasionally. Right, hey, the um, Peter Milligan Human Target miniseries is part of this, because remember there was a Human Target TV show back in the 80s? He was just on this season of Arrow, Human Target. That's that's another reason why. Uh, But Do you know who uh, the Human Target was, who played him in the TV show? Uh, The old TV show? There There was a TV movie. Wasn't it Rick Springfield? Yes, and then there was a Human Target like TV show not like a few years ago. Somebody else mentioned this um, in in the on the wrestling album, the very first wrestling album Ugh. that has all your favorite songs like uh, "Real American," "Don't Go Messing with a Country Boy," and so on. Mm-hmm. One of the songs on there was a Jimmy Hart penned and sung diss track on Rick Springfield called Eat Your Heart Out, Rick Springfield. And I bet he did. I bet he did. I could sing the entire song if you'd like me to, but I'm not gonna. Rick Springfield was like, I ate my heart out, and then I went to General Hospital. (laughs) But included in this DC uh, on TV sale is the entire run of Preacher. Oh, that's on TV? Uh, well... (laughs) <laughs> to, to some people, it is. Don't let. Don't get deterred and say, "Hey, if this is on TV, I'll go watch it out." Strongest recommendation to avoid like the plague. But for thirty six dollars, you can get the entire run of Preacher. Oh my God, that is might be one of the greatest <laughs> deals I have ever heard in my entire life. And that, and it's like, the, and it's the newer trades that have the chronologically, like they put the miniseries and the one shots and everything else in with it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like having like the separate trades, I don't think they ever did that. I think it was always like that. No, no, no. the the first The first run of the trades. Uh, I'm looking at my cabinet now. Hang on, I got to pick up my microphone. Oh, good. I was worried. So it was like trade four was the one that just had the mini series and the one shots in it. Oh, okay. Whereas with the new printings, which is the new digital printings, whatever. Uh, they put them in the release order. The Absolutes did that, too. Right, because it was different from the original print trade runs. Like, book three, which in the past was just up to the end of whatever that was, now has the Saint of Killers miniseries and the Cassidy special in that. 
Mm-hmm. And then book four has, I think, the hair star one shot and the good old boys and the, and the, the arse face one shot. Does it end with tall in the saddle? I, uh, let me look. Cause I remember that coming out after the series ended. Yep. Which was a prequel. Okay. Book six is 55 to 66 plus tall in the saddle. Yes. Like these are like the rebranded read whatever trades. So you're looking at what seventy five books for thirty six dollars, and not just seventy five ish books for thirty six dollars. Seventy five of the greatest comics I've ever read in my entire life. One hundred percent. You know, like Preacher is top three guaranteed for me. Who? Definitely top five, but probably <laughs> top like, three. There's like two people laughing that you said definitely top five for that. Right. I should make a shirt that says definitely top five. Okay. I don't know. I, I, just actually, say I was about to say Preacher definitely top five as well. Okay. Both because it is definitely top five and because of an inside joke for me and two other people. Okay, well, hello to other people. Because that's the good thing to have on a podcast is inside jokes that even the other host doesn't get. Hey, do what you gotta. Right, and I am. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, all the links to all that, the same freebies from last week. Nothing new got added as far as I know, but they somehow slipped those things in. When all of the free comic book stuff day gets put in there, I'll definitely update the list. But I always like to update that list to make sure... You know, the it's it's as current as possible. Mm-hmm. Let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Sure. Have you talked long enough and your voice is all worn out and I should go with what I want to talk about? I have talked long enough. My voice isn't that wor- worn out, but if you would like to take point on this, I'm not going to stop you. I would like to take two points on this. Um, I'm going to start off with the book I was looking forward to most, Batman White Knight number eight, which was the conclusion of the storyline of where the Joker was Jack Napier now. He's better because he took these pills and, but the Joker keeps uh, seeping out and we find out, we found out that there was another uh, Harley Quinn that replaced the original Harley Quinn and she's become the Neo Joker and she's taking control of the various uh, Batman's rogues. Uh, in this story, Batman was painted as the villain. Joker was, uh, was painted as the good guy. And they end up having to come together to fight off the Neo Joker as, you know, the Joker and Jack are fighting for dominance. Um, I really enjoyed it because there was a lot of, uh, the, the Bat characters team up and, uh, they, they attack Neo Joker and the, the, the rogues. But what I do like is they all, everybody gets their own Batmobile and their Batmobiles throughout the history of comics and movies. So there's like a Tumblr. There's a 66 Batmobile. There's the original Batmobile from like the original Batman comics with the big, the big bat head on the front and everything. Sure. So it's fun. So it's fun to see all that. Like, uh, Sean Murphy had a blast, uh, drawing all of them. Um, and they, they go up against, uh, just all that and how it comes together, what the white knight is, because they were portraying the Joker as the hero. And is he the hero of the story? Is it Batman? Is it somebody else? Um, but on top of that, they left like two or three things that could be done in a sequel. Um, there's a note left from someone who passed away earlier in the series was like, I'm sending, I'm sending, go look in the floorboards. There's something there I need you to see. 
There's some other things. I, I, they closed it really strong. It's not, it wasn't what I thought it was. And anybody who was worried that they were going to make the Joker like, you know, clean cut and, and, you know, redeem himself, maybe that didn't happen, but I really enjoyed it. And I hope we get more of this. And as I said, I think this should be what you hang your black label on because it's fantastic. So, okay, so obviously you said that this was really good. You enjoyed this from beginning to end. Is this something that you would recommend somebody getting in trade or whenever it gets collected or what have you? I would. I think it's better probably read in one giant shot. And I think, like I said, as I see more, like there's there's more nuance here than I thought, you know, in the beginning. And I want to actually go back and reread it. And Sean Murphy's art is like, is beautiful in this. Um I, I would recommend it. Right. I, I I really like Sean Murphy's art. I think he's a really good artist. I was concerned about him as a writer, because I don't think he has a ton of writing credits under his belt. The only thing that I know that he definitely has was that Punk Rock Jesus, mm-hmm. which was a Vertigo mini about uh, the cloning of Jesus in a modern time, blah, blah, blah. And I really enjoyed that. I don't think he's – I don't remember him sticking the landing – on that, but I think that may have been his first go at something that I know of. So, but this, he's he's got his chops by now, as far as I'm concerned. Right. So maybe I'll have to look into this when the uh, trade or what have you comes out. Right, because like I said, I think the Neo Joker is going to be something like that other Harley, and she might pop up in regular continuity, you know, because this is how stuff happens. And like I said, some of those early some of those early issues are, are like, you know, worth some cabbage. So maybe I could trade that cabbage for money. Oh, you got to love cabbage money. So, um, my book that I was most looking forward to coming out this week was Southern bastards. Number 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did solve the riddle last week. Of course, that this is not the overall finale of the book, just the finale of this current storyline. Mm hmm. And as many books that are late do, this sadly, um, you know, kind of suffers from there being such a big time frame, time span in between issues coming out. You know, mm-hmm. when it's four months in between an issue, it's, you know, it doesn't have the same emotional punch. Or you would hope that it doesn't have the same emotional punch. But this is a book that is all about that punch, if you will. Especially punches, yes. Right. So I completely forgot about the uh, the Mountain Man and how Boone. He, Boone and how he interjected himself uh, in all of this and everything that happened. And Coach Tubbs is kind of on, um, like he just got rid of uh, Fake Burt Reynolds, mm-hmm. and now he's, or I said Coach Tubbs, but uh, Tubbs is the guy from the beginning, his daughter Roberta is the one who comes to get Coach Boss, and now he's kind of over a barrel, uh, Coach Boss, and Roberta has also just been shot by Boone. Mm -hmm. We've got these three disparate personalities here, and Coach Boss is attempting to get away. Does he get away? Does he get away with his crimes? Uh, Or does he kind of get one over on Roberta? And that's Essentially what the main crux of this is. Um, I, I don't want to spoil it. Only because right. I think this is a book that when it's all said and done, and I know the trade 
of both the entire collection and these last four issues are coming out here soon. I think the last trade is coming out next month, and then the entire collection of everything is coming out shortly hereafter. Um, I like the way that it ended. I mm-hmm. wouldn't want it to end this way, but if this was the final issue, I think it kind of sent things out not in the most satisfying way, but at least a character or two got some closure. I would disagree on that if it was the end, because there's way too much like, you know, like uh, there's there's a plan laid out. Right. There's a lot there. But if this ends up being the absolute end, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be happy about it. But at least one person got a somewhat satisfying conclusion. Right. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm with you. It suffers from, you know, being late, you know, like the emotional punch, remembering the story, all of it. Um, the one thing that I do know is that in this, in this run of comics, Jason Aaron hates trees. He does. You go all the way back. You go all the way back to early in the run when uh, the tree by the grave uh, for the tubs gets hit by lightning and then something in this happens to a tree and I'm like, Man, in Southern Bastards, Jason Aaron just does not like trees. But I, I, I like I said, I enjoy it. I want to see where it goes from here on out. And just like, you know, spoiler free, it is one of the most violent issues I've read in a long, long time. Just very like, you know, just fisty cuffs all around. So, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Right. It's been an enjoyable book. I highly recommend it. Um, it stinks that it took so long to come out, is all. Mm-hmm. But when you're writing Avengers, you're writing Thor, you're writing all sorts of other things, those books sometimes take precedence over the vanity projects. Yep. Um, last but not least, did you read Venom number one? Yes, I did. Okay. Venom number one by Donnie Cates with art by Ryan Stegman. So, Venom has kind of been all over the place in the Spider-Man books over the last year or so. Um, Whether you're talking about Agent Venom, where Flash Thompson had the Venom symbiote, you're talking about uh, Anti-Venom, where Eddie Brock had the Venom symbiote that cured symbiotes. Or got rid of symbiotes? Right. So it was kind of all over the place. This is getting Venom back to basics, Mm -hmm. but doing something new with the character. Something that they haven't done in a long time. You know, they've done stories where scientists have tried to replicate uh, the Venom symbiote and make super soldiers out of it. All this other jazz. So I mentioned super soldiers because they do a gimmick in this where we learn that Eddie and the Venom symbiote, of course, are always at odds, and Eddie is starting to see the symbiote's dreams. Which the symbiote never had before. Right. And then they're contacted by an old S.H.I.E.L.D. guy, an old military guy, who shows him a picture from an older war. Again, time is wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, you know... Sliding scale. Right. In, you know, when it comes to wars, you know, like Frank Castle's 
has gone from fighting in Vietnam to and in you know some war that happened X amount of years ago, right? Same with Tony Stark getting captured. Right, of course. Um, so it's like whatever the current analog for Vietnam is in the in the Marvel universe is that there were people in the military using not this symbiote but other symbiotes for war. Mm -hmm. And he knows a lot about them, like questions we've never even thought about asking. Right, and now with S.H.I.E.L.D. falling apart, S.H.I.E.L.D. is putting these people out to pasture, he comes to Eddie Brock asking for his assistance, but unfortunately, things don't go quite as planned. Mm -hmm. If this was a brand new character, idea, whatever it was, with Donnie Kate's name attached to it, I would like this book a lot. I did like this book a lot. I think that this is a pitch that he may have had somewhere else that they decided to put the Venom label on. Kind of a everything you know about Venom is slightly different. Ah, the anatomy lesson of Venom. Right, that's a perfect analogy. This is essentially the anatomy lesson of Venom where whatever Donny Cates run on this book is going to be, whether it be six issues, 12 issues, 100 issues, it's going to be one of those things that kind of wraps up, and then when the next person takes over, you can continue with it, or go back to, I need to eat chocolate because that's better than eating brains, and all the other stuff that came before it. Right, like sign of the boss. There you go. <laughs> Tubes up the nose, sign of the that's, boss. That's right. Um... <laughs> But yes, I couldn't quite put my finger on exactly what I thought it was. And obviously, I, I don't want to say that this is the equivalent of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, because that is a bar that nothing can live up to. Right. But I really got that feeling that this is a Donny Cates pitch that he brought to whomever. They said, hey, if you rework this or you add that or you throw this in there, you want to write it as Venom? And he said, all right, and here we are. Mm-hmm. Because who coming up in comics today didn't love Venom when they were growing up? I know I did. Hmm. He Interesting. He's Spider-Man with big teeth. Interesting you bring that up. All right. Okay. Did I enjoy it? First of all, I think this book is is probably the first like book in a while at Marvel that's a straight up, you know, like in their continuity. That's a horror title. This feels like a horror title. Right. And if... And, uh, the way Ryan Stegman's art is colored mm -hmm. definitely gives off that vibe that this is a horror book. Right. Um, now, when you say that, I've never been a Venom fan in my entire life. Like, don't hate the character, but there are certain characters that I, I almost had no desire to ever read. And I know you find this funny. Until Mark Wade created... Daredevil. I never uh, cared about reading Daredevil. Um, Hawkman is one of them that I never cared about till Jeff Johns took over the title. Um, and Venom is one of them. I enjoyed this book, but because it's a character that I feel so apathetic about, it took a great story and knocked it down a little. Do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, because I never could get into Venom. Am I going to keep reading this? Yes, because it's a good story. But there is a part of me that just goes, it's Venom, and I don't, I don't. I don't know what, why that is, but there are characters like that, and that's where I am with this book. I think it's a great horror title. I think it's great, but Venom leaves me a little apathetic at, to, as a character. 
and this did nothing... Like, if this was not Venom, and this was just some random horror book, Mm -hmm. do you think maybe you would like it more as opposed to whatever your negative um, feelings toward Venom are? I think I would. I think I would enjoy it. I, I think I would enjoy it more, but like I said, I didn't hate this book. I really enjoyed it. Let me put it this way. I really enjoyed this despite it being Venom. That's the best way I can put it. Gotcha. I know that sounds weird, but I don't know. Do you have any characters that are like that? That you're just like, if Donny Cates or somebody took over and you're like, I'm going to read it, but I just never had any interest in this character. I'm tr- like, and see, that's the thing. There was a lot of characters that were like that for me. Mm-hmm. But different writers coming onto different books and me trying different things have kind of made me like... Like, it's it's so funny to say this. Like, I was into Venom growing up. Mm-hmm. But that was probably because I was into Spider-Man, right? Right. Whereas a character who was, you know, of the same ilk as Venom during that time, Ghost Rider... Never okay. cared about Ghost Rider. Never read a Ghost Rider comic book. Didn't care when Ghost Rider showed up in a book. It's not like I hated him. It was just like, yeah, he's over there, right? Mm-hmm. Then when Jason Aaron wrote that Ghost Rider book, I'm like, hey, this Ghost Rider guy's pretty cool. Could I ask if uh, was Jonah Hex one of those with Jimmy Palmiotti? Jo- okay, Jonah Hex was someone who I was barely aware of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I thought he was just like an old Western character that was a holdover from whatever holdings DC had when they were whatever Mm -hmm. and that he would pop up occasionally when we're like oh it's an old character like to me he was DC's Sergeant Rock right that he's like oh here's a guy from an old war comic and if we want to ever do some sort of throwback to our old book with our superheroes we have this war character Right, if it, we're going to do that era, we're going to do the X character. Right, we have this character in our back pocket that we could always use, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Jonah Hex was like that for me. But it was like Jonah, like, it was more so, you would argue, you would agree with me, Todd, at least in the most, most of the world, that Jonah Hex was not as popular as Venom or Ghost Rider in the late 80s, early 90s. Right, but he was at least as popular as Daredevil was for me, so. Right, and see. I'm and joking. Now, another, another thing is, I, I didn't really start reading comics, like, all the time until, like, 88-ish. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm a little bit younger than you. Right, well, I came into Jonah Hex a lot later, but go ahead. Right, so I missed the heyday of Daredevil. I didn't get into Daredevil almost until, like, 1996, like, well after all the Frank Miller stuff and all the, you know, at the time, what people consider the golden age of uh, of Daredevil stuff, you know? Exactly, and that comes to me with Daredevil, is everybody talks about Daredevil. And when I went back in the year 2000s-ish, right. and they're like, oh, you have to go back and read Daredevil, I was like, and I'm like, I've seen all this. Like, this isn't that great. I put my, my mind in that it was X year, but at that point, I'm like, so many people have ripped this off mm-hmm. that it's not special anymore. To me, not having never read it back in the day. So. I'm sure most Venom comic books from the late 80s and early 90s, if read today, don't hold up mm-hmm. and are probably borderline not good. What? Except for Sign of the Boss. And I'll say, and I'll say, 
uh, the Cullen Bunn run that he did on Venom maybe about four years ago, where it was, mm-hmm. you know, Flash Thompson, and then they had the, he was living in Philadelphia, kind of get him away from the whole Spider-Man stuff, and that was more horror-esque. See, and that's funny, that's something that Colin Bunn didn't get me to come over, you know what I mean? And I was, and I, and you know, I was a, a Colin Bunn fan, but like I said, coming off Thanos with the, 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 you know, the, the shine of Thanos being one of my favorite characters, that made me like Donny Cates more, so him on Thanos g- gave me the ability to try Venom. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, if Donny Cates was, wasn't on Thanos before this, this would have never happened. I, I feel I'm the same way. There's been many, many different writers that have come onto a Venom book, and whatever my affinity for Venom was growing up, it took Donny Cates, you know, since Cullen Bunn, like I said, the run, his run on the book ended about four years ago, and he even teased it. It's like, hey, all these threads are going to pick up somewhere down the line, and they just never did. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought, and, you know, we're talking about Cullen Bunn just as an example, I never thought I would have read a Magneto solo book, and you convinced me to read that. That book was so good. Right, and it's great. It's a great book that, you know, toward the end, unfortunately, kind of gets bogged down by whatever, like, Marvel, like, the Marvel. Remember Marvel Axis, Todd? Yes. Secret Wars brought that down again, too. <laughs> Remember? Secret Wars brought, as, much, as good as, I, as as Secret Wars was by Hickman, uh-huh. man, that, that killed a lot of books. Yes, it did. Oh, boy. Ooh. Anyway. Venom was really good. Uh, Donnie Cates is uh, <laughs> on a roll. Honorable mention for a book. I know we're running long here, but uh, I haven't looked at the clock. Um, Suicide Squad number 41. Uh-huh. Basically really quick. Uh, written by Rob Williams. Art by Eduardo Penskia. I don't know how to say the name. Um, but basically someone has kidnapped Deadshot's uh, child and is it's Cobra, the terrorist group. And it's they're going to uh, take the dead Cobra leader and put them in his kid's body to punish him for something that happened earlier in the run. Um, basically Batman comes to, to the prison, breaks him out because he knows what it's like to have a child uh, raised by assassins. And he does not want that to happen to him. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, but in the end, Waller's like, I need dead shot back. So she decides to send out the, the, uh, the suicide squad. Um, but they're missing a, a member, so she decides to add a new member that shows up at the end. And spoiler alert, it's somebody from Flash who was sent from Iron Heights to the Suicide Squad prison, Bel Reve, or however you say it. Uh, Leonard Schnart is now a part of the Suicide Squad. Oh! So I know him. him. Yes, him, Harley Quinn, and he's got to deal with... Uh, Captain Boomerang now, so that's going to be interesting. Plus, I wonder if they'll make, uh, if they'll try to say Deadshot's in the running for being Damien's father, too. Well, you mentioned Deadshot, you mentioned kids, obviously Deathstroke, Batman, everything like that. So what is the current status uh, in the ongoing paternity of Damien Wayne? Right now, it's still Batman is the father. Mm Mm-hmm. But Talia Agul has shown up to talk to Deathstroke to say, uh, we have to talk about our kid. So oh. it's like, so Talia's saying that it's theirs, but, uh, we have no definitive proof yet. So I'm going to say it's still Batman's with, you know, with, uh, we need a, uh, Maury 
episode with uh, Deathstroke, Talia, and Batman. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, Talia is Jericho's uh, mother. Mother, yes. That could be it. Who knows? So just to so that's what we read this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Short, short version. We do two things with the list uh, every week. One, we attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I think I'm still in the lead by one correct guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are also keeping a dollar amount tally of how much we've spent uh, over the course of the year on comic books, less supplies, bags, backs, boards, boxes, <laughs> etc., uh, I don't even want to talk about these numbers. I know Todd doesn't either. Uh, you started the show first, so you get to guess what book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week. Are you looking forward to most Mighty Thor Gates of Valhalla, number one? That is correct. And I think that's the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. It is also the book I'm looking forward to, even though it's not my misspelled Gideon Falls, number three. Oh, I didn't even notice that. It happens. Oh, my goodness. There you go. I'm not fixing it. I'm leaving it incorrect. What? <laughs> and I also want to mention, Todd, I was going to bring it up last week, but I forgot to because we got off on the track of other things. When the pull post comes out, I'm inundated by people attempting to guess what uh, the books we're looking forward to coming out are. Are you really? Yes. Uh, pr- I, I get private messages on Facebook and Twitter from people. To those people, I say, I do thank you for interacting. But I also say you should tweet those or you should put those things in the uh, comment section of the website. That would make everyone happier. We do have a comment section. That's right. You wouldn't know it by the tumbleweeds rolling through, <laughs> but we do have a comment section. You're not supposed to acknowledge it, Todd. Oh, I'm not? No. Okay. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, uh, you <laughs> look at all the stuff that Todd and I have done in the past. Past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, got quite a doozy uh, coming up this week. It's (laughs) almost like there was a different person on that show other than me. Um, The the show that you're hearing right now. uh, Todd and Jay have... Oh, sorry. I I do say sometimes there are two personas in you you sometimes. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. Just two? Just two that I know of. Okay. Living a double life. Oh, that's rich. Yes. So, uh, Todd and Joe have issues. The smash sensation of 2017. Everything Todd and I have ever done on the internet exists over there at longboxheroes.com, as does our store, which you could purchase shirts and stickers and pins with our fancy logo on them by our good friend and DC Comics ex- artist extraordinaire, Tom Durinick. If you don't want a pin, don't want a sticker, don't want a shirt, or you already have all of these things, you could purchase anything else to your heart's content through our Amazon click-through. Anything that you purchase through there gives us a little bit of a kickback, makes us feel good about ourselves. Uh, Some of the notable purchases from this past week, uh, someone purchased the, uh, I guess, digital singles of Camp and Because the Internet by Childish Gambino. Uh, someone also purchased the Optimus Prime Annual and the aforementioned Donny Cates Venom comic book. Uh, I always like when someone has figured out how to connect their comicsology and their Amazon together so we can get those kickbacks. 
It's like we're a comic publisher when that happens. We get paid for comics. The only way that's better is when someone does the Amazon equivalent of the Kroger meat scam, <laughs> where they buy a gift card through our click-through and then use that gift card to buy something else. That's fantastic. I recommend that to everybody. Which I assume the person who purchased the $15 gift card did that same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody also purchased a... Uh, Kindle Amazon Fire tablet, a fine product. <laughs> I heard they don't have a lot of storage, but... The one I bought didn't. Anyway, uh, somebody also purchased a bunch of books on the ketogenic diet. And all I know about the ketogenic diet is sugar is bad. Mm. So I'm out. Ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you all right? Yeah, I got nothing for that. I almost had a key toe joke, but no. I let it go. So thank you for all of the purchases uh, through the Amazon click-through. It does make uh, all of us happy every the end of the month when that Amazon check rolls in. Yeah, that huge check. Yes. Uh, so, Todd, do we have any art attacks this week? We have a whole bunch, son. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Sandberg sent in another... Uh, Work in progress of a Joe Sinat version of Mr. Fantastic. It's very nice. He's learning to use the Apple Pencil, which I don't know why you would draw with an apple, but whatever floats your boat, I guess. But still very nice. Um, also, Julio underscore DA sent us a uh, Cena Grace Little Depressed Boy sketch that he got in his, looks like, his trade paperback. I, yes, I, yeah, okay. Um, and also... I there, Julio, uh, tangentially part of the network, as he was one-third of the Talkin' Gimmicks podcast, which I promise will be coming back any day now. And uh, if you follow Julio on Twitter, as Todd mentioned, Julio underscore DA, he uh, tweeted him opening up a full box of the DC Cosmic Cards set. Mm-hmm. And he got like four holograms in the box. It was awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> what year was that set? 93? Uh, I, I think, think we I talked a... about this in the shop before. This was during the time when Skybox, a.k.a. Uh, Upper Deck, released the DC cards because Marvel was having such a success. But because when... of rights issues, they couldn't include Batman or Batman-related characters in the set. That's right. I think even when they when they talked about Nightwing, because that fell under Titans, they were like he was once part of a duo that was dynamic. That was like the closest they could get. Oh, and Marvel had three card companies they bought at that time. Oh my god! It was like Impel and something else. It was a bunch of nonsense. But wasn't there also like they had to use a design on either Nightwing or Robin that was in like a promotional "Don't do drugs" ad? I forget something silly like that. I'm sure somebody will correct us on that. It was either they couldn't use Robin or Nightwing in the "Don't do drugs" comic. So they had to create up like some sort of new design, a new name for Dick Grayson, and then in turn ended up using that in the card set so they could get Dick Grayson, Nightwing, Robin in the card set when they couldn't get Batman in the card set. Such convolution, man. <laughs> you think things are a mess in comics now. Go back to the 90s. <laughs> oh, God. I'm so when sorry. Things were... 
continue with the art attack. I'm sorry. Yes. No problem. Uh, from DC Mixoplick, uh, we've got a crisscross blood syndicate sketch and a Superman uh, a Lois by Ivan Velez Jr., which he got these at NostalgiaCon in 93, uh, but he didn't get any sketches in NostalgiaCon 94. And then, Joe, in a sad state of events, uh, Maine went dry for cons after that. <laughs> Uh, they didn't drill deep enough, I guess. Uh, oh. hopefully, hopefully the cons have come back to Maine. Uh, but you know, I don't know. Maybe in one of our future, like, con news, we'll know. We will have to keep an eye out. Also, mega contributor Euronymous, uh, dropped another atomic robo piece. Uh, he got a sweet deal because they were, 150 for one, 250 for two. So he said, twist my arm, I'll get two. <laughs> I like, I like that kind of thinking when it comes to art. I will buy more for, for what a discount. And Mr. Dystopia, who just seems to have everything, uh, Spider Jerusalem. So I have to respect that. And he needs to send me some of his Derek Robertson Spider Jerusalem sketches, which would be absolutely fine. But he has a James O'Barr sketch from Wizard World Chicago 2011 or 12. Um, aforementioned James O'Barr, who I got a sketch off of last week, who he loves drawing things other than the crow. So that's why this one looks so good. Uh, good stuff. So are you kicking yourself that you didn't get a Spider Jerusalem uh, when you got to meet James Abar a couple weeks ago? Uh, actually, I'm not. I got what I wanted, and I have the, I have like a set formula when it comes to sketches or commissions that I get. And I wanted the thing that he was known for. I love the Crow. I love the Crow movie with Brandon Lee. Uh, so that's what I wanted. It's like you get you, you see James Obar. You get a crow sketch unless you're a Transmetropolitan fan. Then it's okay. All right. So thanks to everyone for contributing to uh, Todd's Art Attack this week. A nice, full, meaty uh, sampling of art there. And, again, we thank you very much. So I have to floss. It was so meaty after that one. Now, before we get into TV talk, of course, there's going to be a little bit of a break for, like, a couple seconds, not even. But did we cover everything, Todd? Did I forget anything? I think as we're going into TV talk, we should discuss how we are probably both, I'm guessing, going to see Deadpool this week. Um, no. Oh my God. The best time, one of the best times I had in my life was going to the movie theater and seeing Deadpool with you. And I'm not going to get to relive that feeling with Deadpool 2? No. <sighs> Sad state of affairs, man. Uh, you got me one time. You should have you should have somehow finagled some sort of bet to have me lose, so that I had no choice but to go see this. But I, I do expect uh, your full review for next week's episode. Okay, it's good for the show, you know. Uh -huh. That's all I'm saying. Yep, that's all I'm saying. Yep, fool me once. For if you mean if by fool you once you mean give you the definitive Deadpool with the old double R, then you were totally fooled. I'm good without that in my life. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm doing all right. And the sad thing is I really enjoyed the Deadpool movie, so I want to see it. And we'll you'll talk about that next week. <laughs> all right. That's a thing that you're going to do. Maybe I won't see it now this week because I have no good friend to go see it with, but I'll get around to it. No fancy gentleman you could bother? <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. You could wear your um, 
Bullet Club schmatas to cover how uh, far back your receding hairlines are going. Whoa! I I have a Bullet Boys t-shirt I can wear. Oh, you do? It says Smooth Up In You on the back. I have an L.A. Guns one, but that's not here. Okay. All right, so that's enough vamping about nothing. Uh, TV talk. Krypton. We are reaching the end. I think there's, what, only two episodes left? Yes. And I thought this was a really good episode. I thought this was a very intense episode. Yes. Um, you know, the the relationships continue. The deals continue to be made. Um, the woman with the Elsa mullet uh, from Frozen. You know, Elsa from Fro- Frozen as a mullet. She's the leader of Black Zero. Mm-hmm. And they convince her to get on board to bring down Brainiac. It's kind of like your A-plot. But uh, to do so, she wants to have uh, Darren delivered to her. That's the guy who, you know, has kind of been doing all the political machinations. He was the one that was trying to bring down uh, the voice of Rao. And then uh, has been kind of revealed to be like a sniveling little twerp. But with good intentions. With good intentions. Uh, We get a little bit more of the backstory of what's going on with Adam Strange... Uh, how he may not have been during in this time frame using the Zeta Beam, um, with the knowledge of the folks in charge of the Zeta Beam. Right. Uh, I like that too because they show he. Uh, it's how it, that's his girlfriend Alana, who's who he ends up marrying. He's talking to, and Sardax, I think, which is her father. Right, her father. So yes. it's interesting to see there. But that whole thing with that made me think because he stole. The Zeta Beam, that this, I was, I'm, every time I'm reading it, it was like, we need a quick change for Booster Gold. You said it last week, and this episode really hit home even more, that this Adam Strange is almost pretty much an analog for Booster Gold, and I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. I am too, but it's kind of annoying, like the way, as much as I love the Atom in Legends of Tomorrow, when I found out that that was originally supposed to be Ted Cord, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I would have liked Brandon Routh as Ted Cord. But what are you going to do? And this was probably one of those things where it's like, ah, did we... Because remember years ago, there was supposed to be a Booster Gold TV show on sci-fi? Mm-hmm. What if that was this? That's not a bad thought that uh-huh. it morphed into this. They were like, let's do a thing where we take that Booster Gold show, make it Adam Strange, but then make it about Superman's grandfather, but not his grumpy grandfather. That's what the kids want on sci-fi. It's like how Titanic meets Frasier became police cops. <laughs> yes, pretty much. The men behind those badges. Police? Cops? <laughs> I'm doing the hand thing that they do in the show in the episode. I know you are. Um, and then the I, you know, there's your A, there's your B, and then your C plot is Kem, the bartendery kind of I look like Loki from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but um, handsomer. But, uh, let's not go crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, slightly less oily than Loki, <laughs> right? Uh, so he wants to find. The girl who is now one of the daughters of Rao, I guess. I call them the 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 Rao nuns. <laughs> the uh, I thought you were going to say the Rowettes. That would be great. Mm-hmm. And he sees that she is doing well, but she is so far into whatever the voice of Rao now Brainiac is, 
And uh, they do kind of a little twist there because they find out that Brainiac is involved with the... What do they call the show? The Birthing Matrix? Yes, the Matrix. The Matrix, which is how people are born on Krypton, which is a little bit of a holdover from the going all the way back to the John Byrne stuff when they did that reboot back in 86, but more so even to the current DC Cinematic Universe. Because Seg and uh, Dev, no, uh, Nissa. Nissa, yes. They have a kid that's in that birthing matrix, so that's why she's like, okay, I'm done like playing my will-I-won't-I kind of being sly about everything. Okay, this is directly affecting me, so I'm going to help you all out. They end up shooting Brainiac, he falls down the thing, they think they've beaten him, but there's still two more episodes left in the season, so they haven't beaten Brainiac. But what the thing that blew me away was that he comes back and he ends up using the little girl as a device to try and kill Seg. And I was like, oh, my, like that scene where she comes into the bar and then or wherever they are, because they're not in the bar. I think they're in Seg's old house that he grew up in. Uh, She ends up exploding because Brainiac turned her into a bomb. And I was like, that was dark. Yes, uh, the end of this episode, uh, they straight blow up a little kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just blow up a little kid. Right, well, that gets gets Brainiac, as you say, over as a heel. He's a heel! Mm. (laughs) I'm Brainiac, Pluto! (laughs) Oh, Goofy! (laughs) That's, That's pretty much my... That's that's my Jim Clarinet impersonation. It's just me doing Bruce Pritchard, doing Jim Clarinet, doing Mickey Mouse. That's pretty much my, and will always be my impression from here on out. When uh, only you do a soundboard that you could listen to over and over again oh. so you can get your impression down correctly. Oh, oh, sing! Oh, look out! <laughs> so Krypton has been really good. Krypton has been a nice surprise this uh, TV watching season. Yes, it has been. And remember, we poked fun at it when it was uh, initially coming out. So I think going into it with low expectations helped. Lowered expectations. Do you remember that from Mad TV? No. It was basically really quick. It was a skit that they did. It was only like like a 30-second like minute skit where it was a dating site like a dating service that where you'd send in videotapes and stuff and it was called Lower Expectations. And had, like, this crappy, like, intro where there was these two people who were, like, kind of not into each other, just walking along a riverbank, tripping over stuff. It was like, set your bar lower and you'll do well here. But anyway. Anywho. The uh, Flash. The Flash. Again, we've got two episodes left after this. Um, to They figure out that... Um, now, was this the first episode... Uh, or at least the first of the, you know, I, I think this is the first episode that doesn't have DeVoe directly in it. Right. He, this, was he in it? Was he in Right, I guess because he had different bodies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I think maybe the one during the nuke going off he wasn't in. Right, okay. So this is one of two episodes where DeVoe himself is not in it, but of course they're trying to foil his plan. They figure out what his plan is, just like they figured out in Krypton what Brainiac's plan is. Uh, DeVoe is going to launch these five satellites and he is going to make, they figure it out. Like we saw it as the audience team flash figures it out. He's going to use the five satellites 
to make everyone dumber. Mm-hmm. Essentially revert them back to, like, original primordial intelligence, except for him. He'll be the smartest man around. They recruit uh, Amuet Black, more on her later, uh, to assist them in bringing down the satellites because of her funky metal control power. Wells, realizing that he's getting (laughs) stupider and stupider, uh, not unlike Homer Simpson, decides to reach out to the Council of Wells, and things... Don't go quite as planned. <laughs> so they decide to not have a uh, council of Wells. They decide to do a council of Harrisons and get a oh. new group of Harry Wells from different time streams to see if they could get them to help. Right, because the uh, Steve Jobs Harrison Wells hates uh, this Harrison Wells because he's getting dumb. So they oust them from the. You know the the the, the council of Wells. So he goes to find other you, more care. You yeah. say St- Stephen Jobs. I say kind of like a Fay German Sprockets kind of guy. Yes, yes, true. Um, but that's what they go for, and it's the the group is even one is the uh, all right, all right, all right. Wells, right? Who gets he got bounced out of the group? The and the, Bob Guccione, uh, <sighs> Hugh Hefner analog. He's my the oh he's my favorite, but he was my favorite until I met the French Wells, and then as I watch this episode, we'll get into something else later, where now the accent quality on the CW shows is now up there with the wig quality on the show. So, so love the okay. Go ahead. So um. They get Amunet Black to help out. She doesn't have all of her metal with her. She only has some. She's hiding in plain sight. And when she is not in her Amunet Wells getup, like with her funky makeup and her funky hair, Mm -hmm. she looks like a completely different person. So her disguise worked very well on me. Right. And then she was using a southern accent, so nobody would know. Right. So more (laughs) accents, Joe. (laughs) So is is this becoming where... Legend of Tomorrow is the wig show, and this is the accent show? I think so. They accidentally became the accent show. Nope. 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 So they're going to help Amunet Black get the rest of her metal back, but also Caitlin makes the separate deal because Amunet Black had some sort of gimmick, some sort of gun that helped her bring uh, Killer Frost out, but Mm -hmm. not unlike... Um, the Wizard of Oz, we found out that the gun did nothing. Killer Frost has been inside you this whole time, Toto. Mm hmm. Click your frosty heels together three times. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're really trying to make Killer Frost be like a big deal. And I, I like, uh, you know, the, I like Caitlin Snow. I like the actress who plays her. But, like, I don't know, man. Killer Frost just doesn't feel like she should be, like, this big of a deal. That she's so intrinsic to, like, so many plot points in this. Well, you gotta make her do... You gotta make Caitlyn do something. It could be worse. She could be the leader of the, the team for no reason at all. Oh. Well, listen. Uh, Iris does pull her weight uh, more so than anyone. She does all that research. Uh, she gets the story to the paper... And by the paper, she means, I guess, like, whatever this world's equivalent of social media is, because now that the story is out there, everyone is something at social media at her. 
mm-hmm. that they, whenever they see DeVoe, she knows. So now DeVoe can't hide from them. That's right. Even though he can teleport and be invisible and change shape and all the other things that his powers do. But what are you going to do about that? But listen, Todd, this what people came to listen to this episode of us talking about The Flash for was all the Harrison Wells stuff. Yes. So are you talking oh. about Sonny Wells? Yes, Sonny Wells was my favorite. Essentially Tom Cavanaugh doing an impression of Christopher Walken with sunglasses on. <laughs> oh, hey, oh, yes, fantastic. The fact that their holograms kept crossing over into each other. I love, I, I thought I loved the Council of Wells, until they met the Council of Harrisons. The only thing that would have been better was if they had apocalyptic future Harrison there oh. with his intense uh, uh, technology that was merged with his body. We only had enough budget in the spe- for the special effects to do a guy with a tube hanging off of his side and glued to his face one time this season, Todd. Well, if he added up his, they didn't. They did it to the side of his face because they had it up his nose. They would have got sued by Tom. But yeah, I don't know. They, they couldn't afford that, so they afford. They could afford a jumpsuit and some tinted glasses, so they were good. And the only thing the the French Harrison needed was was a baguette at some point. What the hell were we? <laughs> we're talking about Last Action Hero when he shows up with the groceries and he doesn't have a a loaf a baguette sticking out of the top the well-packed groceries they did that on flash last week yes they did and we forgot to mention it when devoe comes home from the store and uh his wife (laughs) finds his journals and everything and he comes to the door and he has the groceries with the baguette sticking out of it it's oh Oh. french baguettes chocolate baguettes Oh, boy. <laughs> you didn't know where I was going with that one. Uh-huh. Yeah, Pluto. Uh-huh. All right. We are all over the place. We're punch drunk. It's been a yep. long night. I will say this. I don't know who Tom Cavanaugh's representation is, okay? <laughs> I don't know who his agent is. I don't know who handles his affairs. He should be going on tour doing a one-man show <laughs> of all of the different Wells characters that he's done. The Wells monologues? Yes. Yes. I actually I would think, go. I would go to that. I would go. I think he gets a paycheck for every Wells that he does on The Flash. That's why he's like, oh, I have a French guy. I have I have an Italian guy. And you're like, okay. I get paid by the accent. I could only hope that they were inspired to do this by seeing one of his old headshots. You know when they would do the headshots where it was the four different things where it's like, here's me as a fireman, here's me <laughs> as like a scientist, and here's me as a this, and here's me as an action guy or whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would be I would be down with that. They found one of his old headshots like that. They're like, what is this? You're a French guy? You're an Italian guy? Let's work this into the show. Do you still have those costumes? No. Ah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I was, I'm telling you. Tweet, tweet Kavanaugh. Yeah. You gotta. Is Tom Kavanaugh on Twitter? Let's see. He's gotta be. Let's see. He is. 
He doesn't tweet very often. But when he sees our idea... Right. And by our idea, I mean mostly mine, because I inspire you. Have you thought of doing a touring one-man show of all the different wells is it's the plural of wells is is <laughs> you play on the flash hashtag peace and love hashtag Harrison monologues hashtag Harrison All right, so let's see if we get any traction on this. And if he does it, we should get front row seats to a local showing. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, is that everything? Unless I think he gets that's back, everything. Unless he gets back to us instantly, which I doubt. No, I don't think he's going to. All right, I think that is everything. All right. It's been a long day, everybody. Thank you for bearing with us. A lot to discuss, a lot to unpack this week. Uh, for episode 398 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. <laughs> <laughs>